1: and welcome to Expo's second quarter conference call for fiscal year 2020. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to hand things over to Vance Oliver, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to Expo's second quarter conference call for fiscal 2020. With me on the line today are Philippe Morin, Expo's Chief Executive Officer, and Pierre Flamandon, CFO and Vice President of Finance. Jean-Main Lamont, EXPO's founder and executive chairman, will also be available to answer questions during the Q&A period. A reminder that this conference call will include certain forward-looking statements and or estimates concerning our intents, beliefs or expectations regarding future events that may affect EXPO. Please note that such comments will be affected by risks and or uncertainties, including the impact of the Coravinus pandemic on our employees, customers and global operations. This may cause the actual results of the company to be materially different from those expressed or implied today. For more information about EXFO, I encourage you to review our Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our annual information form is available with Canadian Securities Commissions as well. Please note that non-IFRS numbers may be used during this conference call. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS results with IFRS numbers is available in the Q2 2020 news release on our website. All dollar amounts in this conference call are expressed in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. So, without further delay, I will turn the call over to Philip.
3: Thank you, Vance, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. First, uh, during this uh, difficult period, I hope that you and your families are all safe and sound. I would also like to extend my deepest gratitude to first responders, uh, doctors, nurses, and medical staff who are putting their lives at risk daily to combat this coronavirus pandemic. They deserve our thanks and our praise. Now, turning our attention to EXFO. Despite the temporary shutdown of our manufacturing operations in China due to the coronavirus outbreak, we delivered solid bookings of 72.9 million in the second quarter of 2020 including a double-digit increase in test and measurement orders. We also reported sales of 55.3 million in the second quarter, while IFRS net loss amounted to $9 million. We consider these quarterly results a momentary setback to our long-term profitable growth strategy. The good news is that we have returned to full manufacturing capacity in China. All Expo sites are operational and our staff is committed to helping global network operators and web-scale companies to thrive during this challenging period. Throughout this global pandemic, the safety of our employees, communities, and customers remains and will continue to remain at the center of all of our actions. Following up on an IT issue that we initially reported in February, a virus was detected and quickly contained at Expo. IT specialists were brought in to help resolve the situation and I can safely say this matter is behind us. We turned this incident into an opportunity to also firm up our IT security systems. With manufacturing and IT issues firmly under control, Expo is open for business. We are very busy with customer meetings through virtual demos, webinars and conference calls we're finding creative ways to meet our customer needs, and we're continuing to book orders, albeit at a slower pace than last year at the same period. We also believe that Expo's test and measurement solutions, along with our SaaS solutions, are essential during these unprecedented times, since our customers are being challenged by surging bandwidth demand, while coping with reduced staff. The telecom industry is mission critical more than ever, with network capacity, reliability, and scalability playing an increased role in creating opportunities for Expo's innovative solutions. Several network operators and web-scale companies, for example, have increased capital spending to meet the global trend of telecommuting from home. Expo, with its wealth of test and service assurance solutions, enables the deployment of such bandwidth-intensive application in a virtualized cloud-based networks. Our solution to help customers maintain peak performance, and we also help them with faster troubleshooting under these disruptive conditions by providing geolocation analytics, virtual VPN remote monitoring, and active monitoring of network and subscriber anomalies, just to name a few of our solutions. Although we're open for business, Government-imposed lockdowns in many countries within the Americas, Europe, and Asia have affected our visibility of future business. Therefore, EXFO has decided to suspend quarterly and annual guidance. We will do our best to provide the investment community with qualitative commentary about the company's upcoming prospects, but it will not be possible to offer revenue and earnings guidance for the foreseeable future. In addition, we're continuing through engagements with our customers and our partners to assess the medium to longer term business impact of this coronavirus pandemic. And at present time, we've decided to, uh, to have cost, cost control measures, including a hold on all our future hires. Now a little bit lost in the shuffle of this pandemic with our launch of NOVA Adaptive Service Assurance in mid-February. It's the first intelligent automation platform enabling mobile operators to deliver ultra-reliable and high-quality service experience in 4G and 5G environment. At the heart of this Nova ASA is a real-time automated assurance solution, Nova Sense AI, acting as a central nervous system for our platform. The combined offering leverages machine learning to provide mobile operators with heightened visibility into subscriber experience and network performance. The good news is we already trialed with this highly differentiated service assurance solution with three lead customers and the feedback has been extremely positive. Now in closing, I'd like to express my heartfelt thanks to the entire X4 team for delivering under trying conditions, not only in the second quarter, but as I know as they will in the weeks ahead. What makes me most proud is that we've kept our global customer base appraised throughout, the, throughout and maintain a high level of customer support. So, at this point, I will turn the call over to Pierre to cover our financials.
4: Thank you, Philip. Good afternoon, everybody. Sales decreased 25.2% to 55.3 million in, in the second quarter of 2020 from 73.9 million in the second quarter of 2019. As previously mentioned, sales dropped year over year, mainly due to the negative impact of the COVID-19 outbreak on our manufacturing operation in China and supply chain. In addition, we didn't benefit from the same high level of calendar year hand spending received in Q1 19 and shipped in Q2 19. And also we didn't recognize into revenue a 4.9 million order for, for network topology soft, software as we did in the same period last year. Bookings, meanwhile, dipped 4.2% year over year to 72.9 million in the second quarter of 2020. In the second quarter of 2020, a 14.7% increase in terms measurement booking was offset by a 32.2% decrease in booking on our SaaS product line. I just mentioned, we booked a multi-million dollar contract for network topology software in the second quarter of 2019, including solutions and professional services, but we didn't benefit from such large orders in the second quarter of 2020. Gross margin, before depreciation and amortization amounted to 57% of sales in the second quarter of 2020. Compared to 60.7% in the second quarter 2019. In the second quarter of 2020, the coronavirus outbreak led to a temporary shutdown of our manufacturing facility in Shenzhen, China. This negatively impacted our sale and growth margin as a portion of our cut of sale is fixed in the short term. In addition, we secure a large software contract related to our network topology mentioned before in the second quarter of 19 which carried margins above our corporate average in terms of operating expenses selling and administrative expenses totaled 24.3 million or 44% of sales in the second quarter of 2020 compared to 25.5 million or 34.4% of sales in the same period last year the 1.2 million decrease in HGND expenses mainly reflects lower commission paid on lower sale level in the third quarter of 2020. Also, the adoption of IFRS 16 played a part in reducing our HGND expenses year over year. Net RD expenses reached 12.6 million, or 22.7% of sales, in the second quarter 2020 compared to 12.2 million or 16.5% of sales in the second quarter 19, 2019. The .4 million increase in net earned expenses can mainly be, be attributed to inflation and salary increases as well as projects mixed year over year. IFRS net loss in the second quarter 2020 totaled nine million or minus 16 cents per share. In comparison, IFRS net earning reached 5.2 million or nine cents per share in the second quarter of 2019. IFRS net loss in the second quarter of 2020 included 1.5 million in after-tax amortization of intangible assets, 0.4 million in stock-based compensation costs, and a foreign exchange loss of 0.4 million. Geographically, the Americas accounted for 48% of total sales in Q220. Europe, Middle East, Africa represented 31% of sales, while asia Fact totaled 21% of sales. In comparison, the sales split was 50%, 34%, and 16% among the three geographic regions in the second quarter of 2019. In terms of customer mix, our top customer accounted for eight point two percent of total sales in Q two twenty, while our top three represented nineteen point five percent. Turning to a few key points on the balance sheet, our cash position increased to twenty point nine million at the end of Q two twenty from seventeen point six million in the previous quarter. This three point three million increase is mainly due to seven point one million in cash flow from operations. These cash flow from operations were partially offset by two point one million for the purchase of capital assets and one point five million for the repayment of lease obligations and long term debts. At the end of Q two hundred twenty, Expo had a net cash position of two point eight million and available revolving credit facilities up to forty six point eight million. Now at this point I will turn the call over to the operator for the start of the Q&A. Thank you.
1: Thank you, sir. And ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please make sure your mute button is turned off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. Again, that's star 1. If you have a question, we'll go first to Todd Copeland. Todd, your line is open. Please check your mute button.
5: Can you hear me okay?
1: Now we can, sir.
5: Great. Uh, apologies for that. Uh, good evening, everyone. <clears throat> um, I was—I I had a few questions, and I'll just uh, walk through them here if I could. Um, first on the income statement, the, the OPEX that you had in the quarter, um, is that about the right level of OPEX to think about uh, prior to seeing some turn up in sales once we get through COVID?
3: Yeah, the the level, uh, I'll make a high level comment and I'm sure uh, Pierre will, um, will will add to that. So the level of OPEX that we have right now is um, pretty much I, I would say uh, at the level that right now we're operating with. As I mentioned, we've uh, decided to put a, a hiring freeze and, and obviously um, all of the other discouraged spend uh, will be, uh, every dollar will be looked at. So the OPEX will probably... Uh, from uh From a spend point of view will probably go down from what you've seen here, but um at this point, I would say uh, with the hiring freeze that we have in place and the focus we're putting on uh, on any other kind of spend um you know i I would expect the RPEX to slightly go down, but being that kind of range Pierre, you want to comment yeah
4: I, I would add also that the 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 Canadian currency when the Went down uh, since end uh, February, and that will have a positive impact on OPEX in the U.S. as well. So, so on with the currency, we we should have uh, some 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 saving, assuming that the currency uh, Canadian dollars stay at the level that it is uh, right now. Okay. Also, with the COVID, uh, we need to assume that uh, traveling will be deeply reduced, and uh, we should see some saving on the traveling addition of the hiring freeze that uh, we're going to we, we, we go, we're
5: doing great thank you and then I just noticed on free cash flow uh, while you just lost a few million dollars before uh, non-cash working capital items you had uh, big uh, big cash gains from uh, accounts receivable so I, I'm assuming that you're not going to see that every quarter so the way to think about burn at this point is the few million dollars above non-cash working capital is that. Tell me if I'm thinking about that correctly. Thanks.
4: Yeah, you're, you're right. So uh, as we have been impacted in the last month for the our sales, so the, the accounts receivable went pretty down at the end of the quarter, which is good for the cash. Uh, we do expect that the, the, the accounts receivable will be back in line with the level that we. We have seen in the past in, in, in the 50 million roughly in, in, in sale in, in the receivable, therefore we will need that cash to fa- finance uh, the cash flow. So we should expect that the accounts the, 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 the will go up and uh, will, will uh, require some cash, uh, but despite that we should be able to, 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 to fund our operation uh, without any problem.
3: And Todd, That's just great. to compliment to your first, to first question, Todd, sorry. I mean, um, you know, we, we also are putting measure, that I, I shouldn't have mentioned, but uh, on, the, on the spend as well, uh, OPEC should also go down, go down slightly because of uh, some of the decisions we made on contractors and just spending like that as well, that we should – that will decrease as we get into our second half. Okay.
5: And then my last question is just update is on – what the U.S. carriers are doing with respect to 5G deployment? Has that come to a complete halt, and COVID needs to get out of the way before network deployments can start again? Um, just, just uh, update us on what you're hearing from uh, your carrier customers regarding their 5G deployment plans. Thanks a lot.
3: Yeah, so Todd, I mean, have we engage customers. Obviously, it varies by customers, right? By operators, and, and you made specifically on America. Um, but we are that's part of our constant engagement and dialogue we're having our, to understand better what, what will happen as the, the exit, the COVID uh, pandemic, in terms of investment. It is clear that there are needs now for bandwidth growth, so they, they, they are looking at uh, investment there. On the 5G side, I think it's still a bit too early to see if they're going to increase or delay. Um, in certain other countries in Europe, we've seen actually some of the spectrum um, option to be delayed, um, you know, as, they, as the as the, the countries have to deal with the virus. So, we're gonna, you know, this is part of the the, the discussions we're having and dialogues we're having with our customers to better understand, you know, how when, once we emerge out of the crisis, how the investments and where are the priorities are going to be.
5: Okay, appreciate the color. Good luck, everyone.
6: Thank you, Tom.
1: Our next question comes from Thanos Mishopoulos.
6: Hi, good afternoon. Um, with respect to the supply chain, uh, you mentioned China's up and running, but um, any other issues that could prove to be a risk as far as it would be component shortages or other um, jurisdictions for manufacturing or for the time being, um, does, does it seem like supply chain should be
3: fine? So two points on that one, Number one, as you mentioned, so, so our facilities in, in Shenzhen are up and running. We have other facilities, as you know, Quebec City, L'Agnon, and all manufacturing facilities are open. Now what we have to deal with is um, our supply chain of components being mainly out of China as well. We're, we're able to really uh, maintain our, our capability there. Where we have now what I would call more shorter-term challenges is on freight, um, logistics sometimes countries are locked down so um, and that's giving us sometimes a bit more logistic challenge but but overall I do view that position uh, with our supply chain our facilities uh, across our multiple sites across our uh, obviously China being uh, being uh, up and running now is uh, giving us an opportunity to respond faster with our, our customers and I maybe say a competitive advantage versus some of our competitors that I know have Facilities and factories in, in countries that are still locked down.
6: And, and so, how is it that your uh, factories outside of China are, are operational? Is it that they're in jurisdictions that aren't locked down, or do you fall into the bucket of essential services in some jurisdictions?
3: Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And we, we fall into essential services uh, because of the telecommunication market. And so, that's why all our factories are, um, and, and the manufacturing facilities are open. Okay, great. And then
6: similarly, as as you speak to customers, um, obviously, you know, a lot of uncertainty out there. But um, in terms of, you know, their day-to-day operations, um, because they are essential services, are they still sending out technicians to execute on, you know, previously planned um, uh, deployments? Or what are you seeing in the field from that perspective?
3: Yeah, it's a good question, Sana. So, so first of all, I would say that the amount of meetings we're having is, is – uh, we're very active, very, very busy. So that's that's kind of the good news. Um, you know, a, a lot of our customers' meetings are, are done over video conferencing and so on. Uh, but very, very uh, creative ways to do demos and stuff is, uh, is what we're going through. Um, in terms of projects and, and activities, what I would say is it falls into two kind of categories. Obviously, the ones that, that require constructions like fiber construction, fiber being big, big into ground and so on. Those kind of projects in most of the countries that are locked down are kind of uh, are being delayed, but all of the other activities of um, you know with with regards to bandwidth growth, VPNs activities, and, and monitoring the network, uh, what we're seeing is there's still a lot of activities there. There's still a lot of field technicians going to houses and apartments to make sure that the, the connectivity and, and the bandwidth are secured, and this is where our, our products and the solutions are 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 really Coming across as differentiating, we we spend a lot of R and D and effort in automation, and bringing more intelligence, so that when a technician goes in a in a house, he uh, he can troubleshoot much faster. Uh, we have a centralized fiber monitoring systems, so that from a central office, you can monitor where the fiber issues might happen, and we've got capability to monitor where you have congestions with our service assurance uh, platform. So. I would actually tell you that we have more activity, our funnel has actually increased on the SaaS side since uh, the COVID crisis uh, compared to the t and side. Okay, and then,
6: and then finally, in terms of the uh, bookings number in, in the quarter, remind us, is this the quarter where you have a uh, seasonal higher level of um, maintenance and support renewal coming through?
3: The maiden contract tends to happen at the end of calendar year, right? So they tend to be more of uh, of our, uh, you know, the, the the quarter hitting our Q1, Q2. Sometimes a bit in Q2 for the delayed, um, the delayed uh, contract, but it tends to be a bit more on Q1 and Q2.
6: Okay, yeah. So I, I guess where I going where I was going with this is whether that contributed disproportionately to the uh, bookings number. But um, as you said, I guess it's more of a Q1 impact than a Q2 impact. Yeah. Uh, okay. Great. I'll right. leave it there. Thanks.
3: Thank you, Thomas.
1: Once again, everyone, it is star one. If you have a question, we'll now go to Tim Savajo.
7: Hi. Good afternoon. A um, couple Hi, of uh, questions here. Hey, um, I wonder if you could talk about, I think it's about a 15% year-over-year increase in test and measurement bookings and give us some color on kind of what the drivers were um on that increase on a on a year on year basis.
3: Tim, so two uh two main drivers coming in, one is again um, on our what we call our transport and data comm portfolio. So 400 gig, four, uh, 100 gig solutions, uh, optical RF um, this was again um, a good, a good performance of our uh, of our portfolio. So we continue, and we tend we tend to sell this to the web scale guys. We tend to sell this to the NEMs, uh, but even some of the operators in their labs. So that continues to be a very strong performance. The other one, that, nice growth, is on um, on the manufacturing, our manufacturing customers, or our what we call NVR. And a very strong quarter for manufacturing capacity and if you recall um, you know we we've reinvested and are and by through an acquisition of uh, Yanista, and we've continued to really see some nice growth uh, of our particular uh, business there with manufacturer uh, of I'll give uh, the example of uh, of transceivers but also manufacturers of optical components uh, and that continues to fuel some nice growth for us now Again, our physical interface, our physical products, OTDR, and so on, that continues to do really well as there's more fiber deployment and fiber to the antenna. But in terms of growth percentage, um, Tim, I would say it, it's, uh, you know, the, the 100 gig, 400 gig and our manufacturing uh, MDR's uh, product line.
7: Well, that's great color. Thanks. And, you know, clearly you've built some um, a backlog here in the quarter. <clears throat> and which would presumably be, you know, a tailwind heading into Q3. Though so you've obviously got some headwinds as well. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, continuing to book orders, but at a reduced rate. I wonder, you know, in lieu of any guidance, if you could maybe talk to us about the month of March. Just sort of, what's the sort of magnitude of the kind of run rate order decline? And would you expect that to more than offset what should be something on the order of a $10 million tailwind in terms of building backlog heading into Q3? Yeah,
3: I mean, and that, that's the, uh, obviously the, 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 the big question, right, in terms of uh, visibility of, of what we're seeing. I, I would say the good news, that there's two good news for us. One is that there is a backlog. We have good, good backlog on our PNM. There's a good backlog on our SaaS. Business that we're absolutely going to leverage in the in the next uh, quarter and, and next quarters. Um, you know, on the south side, we still have over uh, 60 million dollars of, of, of backlog that we want to continue. Uh, and then, obviously, if you just do a quick math um, between what we had done in terms of revenue and our, we tend to have a book to bill ratio of one. You can see the type of backlog we have on the t and side as well. So that's that's the first point. So the the, the backlog is giving us a, a good good base to work to work from. Um, the second item is I do believe the fact that we, all of our uh, facilities, our sites, and our functions, whether because our employees are working from home or all our facilities uh, that are essential are operating, allows us to quick, quickly respond uh, with customers that they may have uh, an urgent need. And we're seeing that uh, you know, out of uh, certain countries in Asia, mainly in China, that things are, are picking up really well and, and we can respond. And the third is the lack of visibility because of the coronavirus. Um, you know, it's very difficult to to uh, to kind of predict um, how um, how our customers are going to, uh, in terms of or- ordering equipment, ordering solutions. Um, you know, most of our customers have people on site; they can receive the equipment at their wa- warehouses. But it's clearly, as I mentioned in my opening statement, a, a bit slower. And and plus, we we still don't know how quickly uh, we're going to reemerge out of this crisis, and that's what's preventing us from giving more uh, detailed guidance
4: No, know
7: understand about the guidance. It's just kind of you know to the extent that you've got some Kind of real-time data. <clears throat> that's what I was asking about although, you know mm-hmm. understand it's that's probably not enough to form a trend either um, on the flip side you mentioned that and we've seen this pretty extensively throughout, you know, cable, telecom, you know, obviously significant increases in network traffic, you know, leading in many cases to, you know, expedited capacity. Uh, You made reference to that, but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more specifically about how that manifests itself kind of in, in Expo's business, Um, whether you'd see it more kind of in uh, access network augmentations and, you know, field tech roles to address those, or more in kind of you know high-speed metro core capacity, or you know, to the extent that you've you've seen customer behavior change in these last few weeks to deal with increased traffic. Any more color on you know kind of how that's developed would be would be great.
3: Yeah. So the 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 trend that that, that we're seeing is on on the there's still a need to make sure that uh, the field techs are fully equipped with uh, innovative solutions and, and automated solutions so we're, we're seeing. Uh, we have launched a product called Optical Explorer um, a few months back that is getting a lot of attention because it does help the field technicians to troubleshoot much, much faster than, than the previous solutions based on, on uh, our power meters and so on. And we're seeing a need for field techs to be better equipped so that as they go, uh, they're into a house and apartment, they, they can do their troubleshooting faster. The second thing is um, and is around the, our centralized kind of more solutions, which are our service assurance. Uh, we're providing, um, you know, geolocation analytics, and that, that allows the people to, our operators, to figure out if they're having particular congestions uh, into their network. Same thing on VPNs. As you know, a tremendous amount of, of VPNs are required now uh, now you got to monitor those VPNs, uh, and and we're providing solutions, and these are software solutions. So that's why I was mentioning the funnel for those particular applications as, as increased for us, and so, and then and then I would say we're we're, we're really um, seeing opportunities where um, on fiber monitoring, in particular, this this, uh, this particular uh, activities we're seeing. Where people need again, um, as you, you you know the the knock the centers have fewer people they, they don't they're not fully staffed and to be able to provide them with solutions that uh, are are pretty automated and, and easy to install centrally and manage is also uh, giving us an edge so but the place we're seeing a decrease in a slowdown as I mentioned is on constructions though and that's that's uh that's kinda understandable but I think the places we're seeing now more growth is on on field technicians and then on our centralized SaaS sas offering
7: got it <coughs> sorry thanks and last question for me um you know one area and you've kind of talked to it a bit but like to get you to be a little more specific that you guys do have control over is obviously you're, you know, you're spending from an OPEX perspective and you've mentioned sort of anecdotally a uh, couple of items that should be providing downward pressure. Um, you know, any chance of quantifying that a bit more? Should we be expecting something like at least a 10% sequential decline in OPEX in, in Q3? Or as you look at all these kind of anecdotal things, how does that, kind of add up.
3: Yeah, no, Tim, what I would say is that, uh, again, I think you've seen in the past, uh, we, we've always been very, very diligent with, with uh, our cost and our, our, our spend, and we're going to continue to do that, and, and whether it's on hiring freeze or or, or no replacement or, or uh, contractor spend and so on. Uh, to me that's kind of the main focus um, as we are doing our business assessment, talking to our customers around the medium term longer term we'll have, we'll have to see what what other options if we need to go there. I do feel that, and maybe I'm optimistic by nature, but I do feel that based on our position uh, based on our solution, based on the fact that the telecom industry is so mission critical um, and the backlog that we've got that I, I think we can we're in a good position to navigate the storm. Um, but again, there is some uncertainty that we'll need to assess in the next few weeks, based on uh, on what we're seeing in the market. Okay. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Our next question is Robert Young. Your line is open.
7: Um,
8: good evening. Can you hear me okay? Um, yes. The uh, the line of question that Tim was on around the um, uh, the backlog. If I could dig into that a little more, I understand you're not giving guidance, but um perhaps uh i think you said 60 million dollars backlog that's on the sas side um would you be able to share any backlog that you've built up on the tnm side and the reason i'm asking about that i'm assuming that the china shut down to understand that's mostly tnm handheld uh production would that have built up a backlog yeah no, I, that that's convert?
3: uh yeah so so again um Again, when you, when you look at what happened in our Q2, um, you know, the, the, we effectively lost almost a month of, of supply from our Shenzhen factory, which tends to be our higher volume kind of, of product and, and therefore um, yeah, quick, quicker, quicker turnaround and, and sales cycle. Um, so what I mentioned, though, to the backlog uh, question, we have, um, you know, we've mentioned before that we have about over 60 million, 60. Of backlog in SAS, and fast, and that's still still the case. So that's a really good backlog. Um, and then for the T and M, although we never provide uh, a backlog, you, you can kind of figure out that if you know our, our book to bill ratio tends to be uh, close to one, and we tend to be able to to um, respond pretty fast pretty fast to with the T and M. So it kind of gives you the kind of the backlog that we're we're um, coming into our our uh, third quarter with.
8: Okay. So that sounds like 10 to $15 million backlog there probably. And does that convert? You said book to bill is one. So that's a pretty quick conversion. Yeah, I would assume you'd expect that to go it's through pretty, the quarter.
3: Yeah. And obviously it's again, with the, uh, the, the lockdowns and so on it's in normal terms, I would say, yeah, it would cover convert pretty quickly. Um, but we obviously need to make sure that, you know, we can deliver and, and, uh, and I, I'm pretty, pretty confident we will. Just, we just we've got to work uh, through uh, some of the challenges we have here with, with freight and logistics and talk and okay, countries like that. Okay. Yeah.
8: Um, the, um, the China shutdown, I mean, if I look at the exo-operations, you said everything's up and running now. Um, the only place you've been impacted is the Shenzhen uh, manufacturing, as I understand it. All of your other manufacturing has been un- un- uninterrupted. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. I mean, all, all our factory, obviously, we had to make sure we provide all the right security uh, and, and cleanliness and, and associated with all the right measures that, uh, that we need to do in our other facilities. But, um, you know, other than the COVID-19 security aspect, none of our other facilities uh, were impacted. So that's, again, as I'll, I'll reiterate, and it's good news throughout all this. Is that we're we're very you know we're open for for business and 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 I do think that based on some of the bookings we're we're seeing is I do think that it's giving us a, a short-term competitive advantage because I, I know some of our competitors are at facilities in uh, in countries that are still in lockdown.
8: Okay, and then maybe if, if there's any information you can give us on the timing of China production coming back and I mean you say it's at um, you know working at full. Uh, capacity now. Uh, when would that have uh, hit full capacity? Would it have been sometime in March, or would you have, you know, been back to normal by the end of February?
3: No, no, no. We we, we were back to uh, the beginning, uh, really late February, but very very first week of uh, of March, sometime in March. Okay. But it took, uh, so yeah, and as you know, uh, Rob, right? There was a lot of time to get all the employees back and get the whole supply chain. Uh, it, it took us pretty much all the month of February to, be, to get back on track. So so be, beginning of March is when we uh, we were back at, at full.
8: Okay. And then uh, maybe another, a line, different line of question just around um, the balance sheet and your access to capital. I, cash went up like uh previous question. Um, when you look at the balance sheet, maybe it's a little less cash than you've, I've seen on the balance sheet in past years. Um, are you happy with where it is now? Um, how much do you generally think you need on the balance sheet one you know to fund your operations now and then how much do you need to keep your customers happy uh, who are probably looking at your
3: balance sheet so I'll, I'll answer first and then we'll, we'll comment I'm sure we'll provide more color and I, again based on where we are now based on, on again what we with the fact that all our sites are open and the fact that the, you know that there's bandwidth growth and, and aspect I we're feeling okay with where we stand on a balance sheet. I mean, we're not—you know—I think we, we've got some n- nice backlog to play with, and um, and I, I and I would just make sure, you know, from the point of view of business, we are we're in a in a good position. But I'll, I'll let Jack comment. I'm sure as, uh, he has more color. Yeah.
4: So, also as a CFO, We want to have as much cash as as much cash <laughs> as possible, for sure. Uh, but but uh, we, we, we did have a line of credit up to 70 million Canadian dollars, so, so uh, we were in good shape to, 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 to afford the, the, the next quarters. Uh, and I think that the balance sheet that we have is strong ever uh, for our customers, so I don't think that our customer would be afraid with, with, with uh, what we have uh, and back to uh, positive bid. Uh, that's the goal that we have uh, for the, the rest of the year. Okay. Maybe
8: just one last clarification before I let the line go. Um, when I said uh, ten to fifteen million dollars backlog in T and M, the, re- the re- way I got to that was just looking at uh, the fifty-five million reported and the sixty-eight and a half at the midpoint of the guidance yeah. before all of this happened. Yeah. I'm just—is am I wrong in that math, or no. um, is there something else there from the IT oh. uh, systems outage I should be thinking about?
3: No, no, Rob, you're in the right buffer. Okay
8: thanks,
3: I'll pass one.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Richard C
0: Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, you talked about the funnel on the SaaS side. I'm just kind of curious. I wasn't clear in terms of you guys have the capacity now to sort of fulfill all that demand.
3: yeah, on the SaaS side uh richard it's it's predominantly software solutions right and 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 then we have yeah. sometimes professional services to to do, uh, you know, to do the integration and customization. So, so on both cases, I mean, again, shipping software, that's not a, 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 an issue. And then on the uh, capability to do the software integration and customization, we have absolutely the capacity to do that, and and uh, no no challenges there, no no issue there.
0: Okay, so you don't have to be on site to actually deploy that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of But and even a lot of in, and, but I even in some,
3: some cases. Richard, even in some cases where you have to be on site, uh, again, most, most of our customers have people on site. So, you know, obviously you need to be careful and it'll take a bit more time, but uh, most of the time we don't need to be on site, but if we do, uh, we do have that capability to do that as well.
0: Okay, thanks. And then, uh, you know, there's a lot of questions on sort of the, the cost structure. Um, it's just sort of coming about a different way. If you kind of look at the OpEx cost structure, what proportion of your total OPEX is considered uh, fixed costs?
4: I, I, I may answer. So I would say that most most of our OPEX costs are fixed. The, the variable mm-hmm. costs will be mostly the uh, commission for sale, traveling, uh, trade shows, uh, some marketing. Okay, but most of the costs are payroll. So, so if you want to reduce costs. We need to reduce uh, the payroll costs uh, through various uh, means. Uh, in Canada, we 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 have some program that has been uh, announced by the federal government. We we have to look if we can apply on that uh, or not. Uh, and, and so, so I, I have to say that this is mostly fixed costs on the OPEX, uh, unfortunately. Okay.
0: Yeah. I just sort of you know obviously. Uh, all, all companies, rightly so, want to keep the headcount in place, you know, I, I would probably consider that partly variable to some extent, uh, uh, but those yeah. are tough decisions, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with respect to, like, the receivables, obviously, uh, you know, it seems like things are going pretty well so far, but have there been any kind of discussions uh, with your current base in terms of uh, them thinking about maybe deferring payments and, and how are you thinking about the receivables here going forward?
4: with with our customers yes, yeah yeah so far so good the, the customer continue to pay within their within their terms uh, we'll see going forward with the the, the state of the, the business in each country if uh, we may have some some issue for collecting on due time but uh, most of our customers are large company with uh, usually uh, some good cash balance so uh, so I don't expect to, to have a huge high uh, DSO uh, increased uh, in Q3 and Q4. Uh, maybe we will have some, some here and there. Some some customers taking a little bit more time to pay us, but uh, uh, I don't expect uh, too much trouble so far. Okay, great. Okay, thank you.
6: Thank you, Eric. And
1: our next question is from Daniel Chan.
0: Hi. Good afternoon, guys. I just want to make sure I understand the, the market dynamics here. So is it safe to say that your February quarter, uh, revenue was light because you had supply constraints given the China shutdown, but demand was still strong, and that's why you had a good book to bill. But come March, especially like mid-March, you saw uh, demand kind of stall out a little bit, and that's why you're saying that the bookings have slowed a little bit. Is that, is that a fair
3: summary of what's going on no, what, what, uh, and maybe I'll, I'll say in a different twist. So the, for our Q2, the bookings were was, was, was strong, solid, and, and mainly uh, showed by a 15% growth on our T&M side, which was driven by what I mentioned earlier, 100 gig, 400 gig, and so on. Uh, and then the stronger bill-book-to-bill ratio looks better because of the uh, supply challenges we had in China, which, which allowed us to effectively only ship 55 million. Since the uh, COVID virus impacting now other regions than China, uh, as we hit uh, uh, other countries, Europe and, and in the U.S., we have seen the, that uh, the, our the booking rate is not as fast as if you compare last year to this year, and it's mainly due to the COVID um, crisis. That our, obviously our customers are trying to navigate through working from home, navigate through uh, the situation, then the lockdown, and that. Uh, and that's caused, uh, uh, I guess, what I would call the bookings rate to not be as um, as uh, as strong as it was for the same period last year. Which I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Thanks for that.
0: Um, you made some commentary around uh, uncertainty around 5G deployment. Um, just wondering whether you're having the same kind of uh, discussions around virtualization of networks.
3: I think the virtualization of the networks is continuing, uh, Daniel. I don't think there's any change there because the, our customers are, have started that trend. They're going to continue to do it. It provides them with CapEx and OpEx reductions, and that to me is, is continuing, and we're seeing that with our SaaS portfolio. We mainly sell now our solutions with, with our probes are all virtualized, all in containers, um, and so that, that trend is going to continue. I don't think it's actually going to sl- slow down. Okay, great. Thank you.
1: At this time, there are no further questions. I'll hand things back to the CEO, Philip Morin, for any additional or closing remarks.
3: So, uh, thank you again. So, just a few key takeaways before we conclude this call today. So, again, first, Expo reported solid bookings, uh, $73 million in our second quarter. And as we just mentioned, uh, almost 15% year on year increase in orders for our TM business. Um, Second, all our EXFO sites are fully operational and our staff is committed to help our global network operators and web scale companies to succeed during this uh, challenging time. And third, we launched a highly differentiated solution, Nova Adaptive uh, Service Assurance, which does leverage uh, machine learning to provide mobile operators with better visibility. Um, We believe that our EXFO's solution both on PNM and our SaaS will be essential in the upcoming months as our customers are challenged with this increased demand, and then as well with coping with grid use staff. And then finally, we do have uh, have to suspend our quarterly and annual guidance due to uncertainty surrounding the breadth and duration of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, at this point, this um, concludes our 22nd quarter 2020 conference call. On behalf of the entire XFOL team, uh, I thank you for joining today, and then please
1: stay safe. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that does conclude today's conference. We would like to thank you all for your participation today. You may now disconnect. Thank you for
2: listening to
0: TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.